to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Have you ever thought that maybe the business you're in is actually the leadership business? Forget the industry, forget what widget you sell, what product you have, what service you you provide. Maybe what you really are is you're in the leadership business. Today's guest, Jacob Engel, joined us from New York, and uh, he's the author of The Prosperous Leader. And you know, he made that comment early on. You're going to hear this early on in today's interview. And he said he realized he's not in the food business, but in the leadership business, and started really investing in his leadership skills. And I don't, be- I, I don't believe that truer words could be said about us as business leaders, as business owners, as business managers, call it what you want, whether you own the business or you're a manager of some kind in the business, when you have when you have people that you are responsible for, you are responsible for their livelihood, you are in the leadership business. And I talk about this whenever I go through management training and I'm trying to help people understand these management principles, this, this selfless approach, because when we take responsibility for someone from a management perspective, when we take that responsibility, what we've got to understand is our priorities shift, our mindset shifts, and it has to become about them. And it's much less important what the widget is. It's much less important what the industry is. And it's so much more about leading people properly, about meeting them where they are, about understanding what's happening in their world and, and leading them in a way that they can they can respect and they can get behind the mission of the organization. And, and through that, they can help lead this organization forward. So what would happen in your company if you shifted your mindset from I'm in the blank business and fill in whatever blank you want to, whatever that industry is. I'm not in that business. I'm in the leadership business. And I need to invest in my leadership skills so that I can lead my team more effectively, more efficiently, and through those leadership skills, they will lead our organization to the next level. We're going to unpack this and several other things today and just just uh, an amazing conversation I had with Jacob. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I highly recommend you go check out his book. You can find that at www.theprosperousleader.com. Some uh, great information in there as well. As always, be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you have any questions about today's episode or something that you'd like to hear more about, please reach out to us. You can do that at podcast at employerblueprint.com. Have an amazing day. Well, hello, and I want to thank you so much for joining us this week on the show as we uh, as we talk to Jacob Engel, uh, who's the author of The Prosperous Leader and um, uh, has uh, spent years now helping other leaders and entrepreneurs uh, kind of make the most of their journey. So looking forward to getting some insights uh, from Jacob and, and uh, from the experience that he has. So Jacob, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us. And um, why, don't you, uh, why don't you kick us off by just sharing with us kind of what your journeys looked like, how you got into the business world and, and what led you to where you are now? Sure. So first of all, thank you, Kyle, for having me on. Good morning. And basically, I was sort of predestined almost to getting into the world of business. And in my book, I uh, I do elaborate on the story of my father being a Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he unfortunately lost his dad in Auschwitz and came to this country without money, family, or language. 
and build a, built a huge enterprise. The enterprises still continue till today. We were in the food business. Uh, I joined the family business right out of school, and I sort of never stopped. Mm. It's always been involved in, in the family business one way or another. Mm. I also was chief operating officer for many, many years. Unfortunately, my dad passed away early, and that created different dynamics. Anybody who is in the family business arena can understand things that happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sort of uh, exited the business, remained more on the real estate end of the side of things, and got involved with in 2008 with, when financial markets collapsed and businesses collapsed. I got involved with the community initiatives to help people find jobs, find businesses. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got the idea of trying to help entrepreneurs with the knowledge and experience that I've developed over many years. And it's been a fun ride since then. Yeah. So something I'd like to ask about here a little bit, um, you know, the family business side, that's, that is a whole dynamic in and of itself. And I've, I've had some experience in that as well. That's when I left the corporate world. Um, the first thing I did was get involved in a family, you know, our, our family business. And then from there kind of led into some other ventures, but, um, but that dynamic of the family business, how do you think that that maybe um, helped shape your view of business ownership or entrepreneurship, especially at a younger age when you were kind of seeing the, the ups and downs, the trials and tribulations, the day-to-day of, of that business? What, what would have prompted you to go into that, knowing that that's the case? And, um, and what do you feel like maybe you learned about business by seeing that from such a young age? Right. That's a very good question. And I do speak and, and write about a lot about family businesses because they do have a special dynamic, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but truth be told, when I went into family business, I didn't know I didn't know anything about business, <laughs> and I did I didn't know that there was something else other than family businesses. Yeah. But when but when I start to to get involved more in senior leadership, and then as as I became chief operating officer, I realized that I wasn't in the food business, but I was in the leadership people business. Wow. Yeah. And that prompted me really to go out and study everything I can lay my hands on. And I came across some, you know, a lot of interesting material as I started to read more and more. And I got, went to seminars and I, anything that spoke about leadership, I, I read or I went mm-hmm. to listen to. Uh, and that's where I understood that business dynamics and family business dynamics and entrepreneurship and leadership are all intertwined in this in a certain sense mm. uh, but there are many different components of running businesses building businesses running businesses and each one requires its own sort of its own specialty but that was that was sort of my experience through the family business uh, leadership uh, route yeah I, I yeah i love what you said there and um uh, and I don't want us to overlook that. I think it's such a brilliant statement that you weren't in the food business, you were in the leadership business. And something that I um, try to impress on uh, business leaders often is that um, the industry is much less critical than the leadership skills, that um, there are so many things that are transferable in those leadership skills, uh, no matter what industry you're in. So uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm really passionate about there, Jacob, is 
the um, the knowledge and understanding that leadership in and of itself is a craft. It's a skill in and of itself. And so you can know everything there is to know about the food business. But if you don't know anything about leadership, uh, ultimately, your, your business is probably destined for some form of failure or at least uh, not flourishing. And so uh, over time, as you made that decision to... Um, to really invest in your leadership skills, what are some key elements that you're able to pick out that you've recognized are transferable no matter what the industry? What are some key things that you know everyone has to have these mindsets when they're in a business leadership role? Right. That's a very, very good question. And you're 100% correct that uh, leadership goes across all borders, for-profit, non-for-profit, and every type of business. Because I get this question a lot. Well, what do you understand about my business? I say, I don't have to understand a lot about your business, but I really have to understand everything about leadership because leadership is the difference between the winners and the losers. Yeah. Now, interesting enough in my book, I, I sort of retrospectively looked back at all the great lessons my dad taught me Mm -hmm. and, and I put them sort of together as sort of the 10 commandments. So I, I can tell you one or two or three, which I find are true across the board and they're true today. Uh, Number one, he used to quote his accountant who would say, never confuse efforts for results. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I think which I, which sometimes people confuse meaning, oh, they've, they've got a great excuse. No, I tried or it just didn't work. But that's not enough. And, and you really, the, the results are what counts. Right. And you need to be goal oriented and results oriented and and people give all kinds of lame excuses now, if you're giving excuses for yourself, what do you think your people down down the totem pole are doing? They're giving also excuses, so yeah. you've got a whole company with a lot of excuses that's not going to be a great recipe for success. Yeah. Uh, another great thing that he had, which I'm not sure where he picked them all up from, but uh, <laughs> But one of them, which he used a lot with, and anybody in the in the sales arena will understand this better than anybody else, is that everybody can sell a dollar for ninety nine cents. Mm. And and I remember salespeople, you know, sitting in a meeting, say, "Oh, we've got this great deal, and we can we can sell the you know the the wazoo's out of this." And and then we'd start to do the numbers, and we'd see, well, we're not making money, but we can get market share today. Mark, it's somewhat that's changed because yeah. that model has been turned a little bit upside down. But overall, you need to make profits at the end of the day. And uh, people just don't look at the bottom line. And that is uh, another great saying that I learned from him. I like that. Uh, and, yeah. Third one, and, and I think this was a great one, is know what you stand for and know what you won't stand for. Yeah. People... Yeah need to really know what, what are their values? You know, what, what's their mission? What, what are their goals? What are their, you know, what, what's the, what's the impact? What's the impact? And, uh, and, and know what you won't stand for. Uh, Cause culture are created by bad behavior that when you tolerate bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen, you know, in that I've had this conversation a lot lately and, and um, I don't know if this is maybe cyclical, but I think especially with unemployment rates being low and, and you know, there's a, um, there's a concept or a mindset out there that it's hard to find good employees and retain good employees. 
have you seen that a lot of companies are maybe um, have offered a little more flexibility in what they will or won't stand for, or maybe not holding quite as true to that as as they once did? Right. So that that's very true. That there is a huge you know, talent acquisition and talent retention is the number one challenge of all companies across the board. I you know I was for a while a Vistage chair. I don't know if you're familiar with Vistage. Uh, Vistage is the largest CEO network in the world, and mm-hmm. and that usually that issue of talent ac- acquisition and talent retention would uh, would sort of be the top three issues that yeah. all companies across the board worldwide yeah. were, and especially with the millennials, that there's been a huge uh, the, mar- uh, the 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 millennials have changed some of the dynamics, if not many of the dynamics. But to to your question. Uh, this this is what I see, this is what I see works mm-hmm. with companies, and I've worked with companies of all sizes. And what people want today, and spe- specifically and especially uh, millennials, are is, is they want to be treated as individual human beings. Yeah, they want to be they want respect and they want empowerment. They want to feel like they they can make an impact. They can have a difference. There's a mission. There's a purpose. Uh, you know, once upon a time it was all about bringing home a paycheck. Today, people are less focused on having to bring back, um, bring home a paycheck, especially if they're still living at home, their careers are just starting, they haven't started a family. But what they really want to know is what impact are we making? How, right. what do we stand for? What do, and I think that quote of what we stand for, what we don't stand for mm-hmm. is a lot more truer today than it was ever before. Yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, um, you know, I have a theory uh, that I've shared, and I, I, you know, it's just a theory. But um, uh, I think genera- generationally, you know, we were seeing a, a bit of a decline in that that type of loyalty, and and um, but that focus on mission, um, we were seeing we were seeing that become more important, I should say, over the years. But I I have a theory that in the recession uh, 10, 11 years ago now. Um, I think you have an entire generation of our workforce that saw what happened to people that had been loyal, parents and grandparents that had been loyal to companies, and they saw some of that loyalty um, go away when this recession hit and companies made some difficult decisions to let people go, and, and whether through attrition or through just true layoffs. Um, and so I, I think that what's happened is both you have a generation of people that were that experienced that in the workforce that said, you know what, it's maybe it's not about chasing the dollar. Maybe it is about um, the time that I'm spending with my family, the difference that I'm able to make in my community, the way that I'm able to give back to my my um, business colleagues. And then you have a generation, a younger generation of people that saw that happen to their parents and grandparents that said, you know what, maybe these companies aren't out for my best interest. So what can I do to be a part of, of something bigger? And, um, and I think that's part of the reason, again, just personal theory as to part of the reason why we've seen a little more of that in the last 10 years or so of people really more focused on. Um, and, and so you know, one of my companies is a talent acquisition company. And that's, that's what we do is we focus on talent acquisition and, and helping small and mid-sized companies deal with that issue. And I, I can't tell you, Jacob, how many times I've seen amazing employees willing to take pay cuts to get with a business that has an amazing company culture or offers certain types of flexibility or that has just a really strong kind of mission of who they are and some good core values because 
They want to be part of that community. And that's more important to them than the paycheck that they're going to bring home every day. Right. 100%, Kyle. I agree with you 100%. And uh, I see this consistently. And millennials sort of are bringing that strongly to the forefront. Yeah. But yeah. definitely, I've seen that over and over again. People will will not necessarily chase that highest offer if if, mm-hmm. if if the culture of the company or the reputation or the mission yeah. or the vision or the impact that they can have is just not the same. And people today really want to have an impact in whatever they do, both in terms of their professional lives, their personal lives. You're right. Mm-hmm. I agree yeah. with that 100%. Yeah. Yes. One of the things, uh, and, I, and I think you dive into this in the book, um, is, you know, there is a difference sometimes in, in just the mindset that someone has about managing a business and leading the people in the business. And so there's sort of, um, it's, there are times when there, that can, that can, um, almost make us feel like we have two different priorities because one is, okay, what's going to be best for the business and how do we do this, you know, dollars and cents, P&L, um, taking care of the business function. And there's another one that is about managing people, leading people, um, doing what's best for people. And I think uh, oftentimes there becomes a challenge in figuring out how do we mesh those two things together, what we are doing what's best for um, the people that are around us and we're leading them properly and effectively. But then through that, the effect of that is that it's benefiting the business as well. Uh, do you do you have any thoughts on how we as business leaders can make sure that we are constantly calibrating to keep those two things in mind so they don't become a separation? Because I think in um, I don't want to I don't want to bash corporate you know mentality, but I think that you see it maybe more on the corporate you know, the corporate side where we have a business to run and that's the only focus and we're not concerned about the people. And then you have a lot of really small businesses that fail because I'm so concerned about the people and I have so much empathy for the people. I forget that we still have a business to run. Um, and so how do we mesh those two things together to make sure that we are leading a healthy and prosperous business, but also leading amazing people to do wonderful things within the business? Right. I think it's a you know, significant challenge. Uh, so in my book, I do speak about it quite a lot. Just uh, probably the, the, the person who dwelled on this in a significant way, the two people that I've been reading a lot of is Peter Drucker and Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm. And Peter Drucker has this great saying that uh, what's the difference between effectiveness and efficiency? And he says effectiveness is doing the right thing and efficiency is doing things right. Yeah, and having the seven habits quotes. Uh, I don't know if he quotes Peter Drucker, but what he says that's the difference between leadership and management. Leaders are the the people that need to do the right thing, and managers need to do things right. Mm-hmm. And he's got some great examples in his book. Though uh, I really believe that they can come together beautifully, they can mesh together beautifully. People have to understand their roles. But uh, I think Richard Branson was the one who said that happy employees make happy customers. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, yes, you know, sometimes uh, my, my father used to say this too. Sometimes you could be so good that you end up being good for nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no question that you can err on if you're so compassionate and, and everything. And you, you and you're not holding your people accountable. So it's a huge balance between holding people accountable to the, to the objectives and the goals of the business mm-hmm. 
and yet giving them everything to empower them. And that is, you know, that's part of the trick between balancing the leadership management roles. But it's definitely not, it's not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. So you can do the right thing for your people. You can be doing the right thing for, for your company and you can hold people accountable. Uh, where I see, and again, you, you know, you, you're, you probably have more experience even than on this. And where I see the failure is that what Jim Collins is, you don't have the right person, the right seat and the right bus. Yeah, that's right. And, and being compassionate about it and not doing anything about it is not going to help the person. Because they're failing and it's not going to help the company. So sometimes it requires that courage to be able to say, you know, you've got other talent. Let's find either another position for you or let's get you trained up. You know, I I find, and this is my own theory, I don't know if you see this, that people get hired for skills and and fired for attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep, that's right. (laughs) And I say, hire for attitude and train for skills. It's not, I think, I've seen the quote over and over again. So it's not my quote. But the point is that we need to really have a clear view of the vision, the mission, the purpose, the goals, the objectives. And it's got to boil down to every person knowing exactly what their desired results need to be. What are the guidelines, the resources, the accountabilities, the consequences. So... It, 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 it's not mutually exclusive and actually it works wonderfully well together in all the companies I've instituted in, we've had phenomenal results. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, uh, you know, I, I really buy, I mean, I really believe wholeheartedly in everything you said there about being compassionate about, you know, when you've got the wrong person in the, in the wrong seat or anywhere within that matrix, you know, right person, wrong seat, wrong person, right seat, all of those things. But whenever you don't have right person, right seat, um, I wholeheartedly believe that the most loving thing you can do for that person is to set them on a path to get, make sure that they are the right person in the right seat. And sometimes that's with your company and sometimes it's not. Um, but, but the most loving thing we can do for that person is to help them understand where, what the right seat is and help them figure out um, how to get there. Because you're not doing them a favor. You're not doing them a favor by leaving them in the wrong position or the wrong seat, the wrong, the wrong bus. You're not doing them any favor whatsoever, right? That's right. Yeah, if you as a business leader are, are discontent with, with uh, the way someone is operating in their role, there is a there is a, an incredibly high likelihood they themselves are also discontent, but they're not going to make a change while they're in this comfort level of being where they are. It's hard to make that leap of faith. And, um, you know, one thing that I uh, recommend, and I've, I've done this in my own companies as well, is um, I've even offered people sort of time to say, look, you've got 30 days, 60 days. It's, you know, we've gone through this process. It's obvious this isn't going to work out for you. I'm not terminating you today but I want you to, to very actively spend the next month finding another job. And, and the, the cost, the way that I see that, and I, I certainly get a lot of pushback sometimes from, from other business owners that say, well, I'm not going to pay them to go find another job. You know what, to me, that cost is minimal to, to know that at night I can lay my head down on the pillow and know I really, I've, I've spent six months doing everything I could to help this person. And when we know that it's not going to work out, I'm going to sleep really well knowing that I have lovingly helped them set themselves up in a place that they're going to succeed. And, um, and so it's worth that extra cost um, and, and the discomfort of the conversation to be able to have that. So, yeah, I, I, love, that, um, uh, I love that way of thinking and just making sure that we're, 
we're compassionate with people. Yeah, by the way, Kyle, I've got something called how to hire so you don't have to fire. Mm-hmm. And and I find that if, if you can do, and I'm, I'm a big believer, if you read my book of assessments and different testings and, mm-hmm. and the right interview questions, but I really believe if, if up front, if, if you do all the work up front, we're making sure that you have the right person mm-hmm. with the right strengths and abilities and personalities and whatever's needed for the job and the right training and you have a great onboarding system and a great training and a great coaching system and you hold people accountable, I find that you can mitigate Mm-hmm. a significant extent of having to tell a person goodbye or putting them right. in the wrong seat in the room. That's right. And companies don't necessarily want to spend that all that time and money up front, but I think it pays itself off. Plus, it, it allows for much greater teamwork. It allows for mm-hmm. people to, you know, firing people is never a great thing for the morale of the company. And when you create this culture of right person, right seat, right bus, right. It, it works wonders. Companies really uh, thrive on that, and it's a great culture. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that culture piece because I wanted to back up on that. We we kind of we touched on that just a little bit a few minutes ago, but um, uh, and and that plays right into what you're saying here: how to hire so you don't have to fire, and and that's something that we believe in. I, I think one of the the two biggest mistakes um, uh, businesses make when it comes to hiring decisions as they don't invest the time and the energy on the front end to really understand what do you need in the hiring process or what's going to make sense for you, both in the type of personality, um, uh, who's going to fit into your company culture, uh, who has the, the basic skills or transferable skills, and what are your actual needs. But, but then, so you know, mistake one, not understanding what the company actually needs, and then mistake two, not helping the employee succeed once they're in the new position. They bring someone in and say, well, we want them to hit the ground running. And that's just not reality. And, uh, and they don't want to take the time to really develop a good 30, 60, 90-day plan. They don't want to help them in day one and week one to really get acclimated into this new system and this new culture. And, uh, and I think if, if companies could really focus on those two things and develop a great process, we've seen it over and over and over again um, by helping companies put those things in place or by managing that for them, how we effectively reduce turnover to next to nothing. Um, but, but it, but it requires a little bit of time investment, uh, in there. But so uh, all that being said on the culture piece, what are some things that companies can do? Um, and, and I, I hate to use the word companies cause really it's people, it's all about people. And so as the business leader, as the business owner, what are some things they can do on that front end to, help define what their culture and their core values are so that they are prepared to go find someone that fits into that. Right. And, and that's, that's a, you know, really such an important critical question that every leader should ask themselves. And, and you're right. The more work done up front, the more the leader can really define their values. And I actually heard a great talk by a labor attorney who said, I shouldn't be saying this because I'm putting myself out of business. But he said something to the effect, if you hire based upon values and mission and, and impact, you won't have to fire and you won't need me. <laughs> you know, you won't, need a, you won't need a labor attorney. But yeah. it, it's so true. And, and oh, the yeah. point is really defining the, the value system. What do we value? And, mm-hmm. and the mission, how does that value get put into place? in the company, what, what's the culture of empowerment? Do we have a culture here of wanting, I, I tell people that the most empowering statement you can tell your employees, we want you to be successful. 
Because guess what? If you're successful, we're successful. Mm -hmm. And when employees feel, well, you know, this is my, this is, they really want me to be successful. So they're making sure I'm I'm being onboarded correctly. They're, they're ensuring that I'm in the right position with the right buddy system and the coaching and mentoring. And we're continuously reviewing how well I'm doing. What is some of the, now there's another component of of a culture that most companies shy away from, but I really believe it, it needs to be part of the system, which is, you know, feedback is a gift mm-hmm. and companies have a hard time doing feedback. Either they do it very harshly or they do it very softly yeah. and neither work yeah. well. Yeah. So upfront, you've got to be able to share with your, with the, with the employee, this is how we do our feedback. This is what we're going to be looking at. These are the scorecards or the key KPIs, whatever you want to call them. Right. Well, there's so many different names people call them and that we're going to be evaluating. So you can know how well you're doing. If we have a challenge, we're going to sit down with you and we're going to tell you what it is. Because if we, if you fire a person, I think you'll agree to that because you're in this industry. If you fire a person and they're surprised they're getting fired. Yeah. Guess what? You, you, you failed, failed in communicating. Failed. That's yeah. exactly right. That is yeah. not their fault. That's yours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's culture of communication, open and honest. Uh, I've got in my book something called the six C's of communication that my mentor, Roy Camerano, has come up with. And it, and he says, you know, a conflict and competition is going to equal failure. And so if there's finger pointing, if there are people are competing for the same business and um, and, and everybody's sort of talking behind the back of about the other person. Mm-hmm. That is gonna. That means the company is failing. Yeah. To move that up to the next, you need to have compliance and communication, which you know people call today transparency and accountability. Got to mm-hmm. be open. Got to be honest. There's got to be communication back and forth. That equals to su- success. But if you really want to be prosperous, want to. We spoke about prosperity. Mm-hmm. Then there's got to be collaboration and cooperation. A culture of collaboration and cooperation, and those companies do really well. Yeah. 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 I like that. That stepping, uh, kind of that step stone of understanding the, what those processes, what those next steps are, the, the further we dive into that. Yeah. And uh, on that topic as well, you know, feedback being a gift and, and I believe you outlined it wonderfully there. I often, uh, you know, talk about what professional communication should be. And I refer to it as professional communication because of the business world. But really, interestingly enough, I actually had the same conversation with my nine-year-old daughter just this week and talking about her friends. Of course, getting into that age where some of the drama and cattiness starts to pick up. And um, and she had mentioned, you know, something that a friend of hers told her and that it was really mean. It kind of hurt her feelings. And I said, you know, sweetheart, I said, there's, there, there's a lot of value to having friends that will tell you the truth. Uh, you want friends that will tell you the truth, but you also want to make sure that they're telling you that truth in in uh, in a way that's empathetic and it's loving. And the way that I refer to it in the business environment is great communication is direct and empathetic. And when you have all direct and no empathy, you're a jerk. And you have all empathy and no direct, you beat around the bush and you never get to your point and no one knows what's going on. And you've got to have this balance of direct and empathetic. And when you can put those two things together to your point, then you've got that. You've got great channels of communication. You've got um, compassion in what you're doing. Um, but you're, you're compliant. You're getting to the point. People know exactly what's expected. And if they're performing well, they know it. If they're not performing well, they know it. And there's no surprises when it comes time to review and see what's going on. 
Right. I heard this great quote. I think I have it in my book somewhere. Uh, say what you mean and mean what you say, but don't say it mean. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That's good. I like that. Um, well, Jacob, I know we're, we're, uh, I know I could keep talking about this for, for a few hours because this is a, a topic that I just really, really love. But um, tell us, how can we learn more about what you're doing and how you're helping businesses out there and, uh, and, and get in touch with your book as well? Sure. So, uh, you know, it's sort of an opportune time that, that you're, you're having me on because I am coming out with uh, online courses and that's going to be soon available. Good. Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure which website we're going to be using for that, but the, my book website is The Prosperous Leader, theprosperousleader.com. It's all about my book. I've got a very active blog. Uh, I've got a few hundred blogs on it of all these conversations and many, many more. Yeah. I've got different tests that people can do, some free. I've got assessments. There's an organizational assessment that people can be doing. So my Website is pretty robust with a lot of good, great information. If people want to reach out to me, they can do that either through email. Uh, it's uh, jacob at theprosperousleader.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, they can also, and there are phone numbers on, on my website where they can reach out to me if they want. And my book is available through Amazon as well and Audible if people today. And okay. I've got a whole bunch of podcasts. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah, People and today, uh, don't don't read as much as they used to. I guess. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that audible sometimes is a lifesaver. Uh, uh, a great way to to kind of invest in yourself when you're uh, sitting sitting in the car or sitting at the gym, and uh, uh, it's a great way to still be able to right. get some content. On a, yeah, on a plane, you download a whole bunch of audio books and you can yeah. listen to them. And, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and and I'll, I'll let everybody know. I mean, the website is very clean. It's got a lot of great resources. Uh, it's worth a few minutes just to go in there and dive around a little bit. Um, so, uh, so don't hesitate to check that out. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. So you can check that out straight from your phone if you want to. Um, Jacob, thank you so much. I mean, just, just some amazing information and, uh, um, I love what you're doing to help other leaders out there prosper and thrive in their environment and really leading people. So thank you so much. Thank you, Kyle, for, you know, your great service and, uh, love the conversation and, um, love to have an impact on people. So okay. I think it's a great mission, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit employerblueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit kylegorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day. Yeah.